Well, good evening and welcome. <clears throat> welcome to this 14th edition of Atlas Information Live. Uh, we are glad that you could join us this evening. <clears throat> In which, well, first of all, I have to apologize because we have a bit of a frog in our throat. And uh, we may be uh, doing a lot of throat clearing as we uh, progress through this evening. But um, apart from that, we hope everyone is doing well, faring well this uh, fine September evening as we begin to usher in October. Tonight, we wanted to share with you a topic which, of course, relates to suffering, relates to suffering that we all share on one level or another, in one form or another. We all suffer from some form of ongoing, chronic, persistent challenge. We may refer to this as stress, agitation, anxiety, depression. There is something, and only you know what that is for you, that you consistently and persistently have to face not constant in the sense of an ongoing non-stop uh, affliction but it's something which is recurring and keeps coming back again and again and it comes and goes it comes and goes and we have fits of it we have bouts of it but we know what it is when we're going through it and while we're experiencing it we're it's like an old it's like an old nemesis or an old friend or an old acquaintance that we can't seem to get rid of keeps returning and we know that this is very common in this day and age i mean the words stress anxiety and depression are ubiquitous in this culture, in this society, in fact, around the world, but especially Western societies and modern societies. This affliction of constant stress, people living in constant anxiety or suffering from, from ongoing depression. And Roy says, yes, it's a spiral of life. It's a spiral of life because we continue to revisit and tread the same ground over and over again. As we've discussed in the past, our egos, what we suffer from, are there to teach us, to test us, to challenge us. They are our mountains which we, which we must climb. Seacat uh, says, we are living in a society not fit for the human condition. Well, actually, uh, yes and no. Uh, we are not fit, we are living in a society which is not fit for true human beings. But in the present human condition of this humanity, this society is ideal 
for us. And why is that? Because so much out there is a reflection of our subconscious mind, of the collective subconscious of this humanity. So much suffering and extremism and tribalism and conflict and that, that's out there in the world is, yes, it's karma. But that karma is a reflection of our subconscious condition, of the collective subconscious of this humanity and the karma of the planet. Karma is not out there. Remember, nothing is out there. Out there is an illusion. Out there doesn't exist in the strictest sense. Out there is a projection of our own consciousness and of our own mind and of our own egos. So our karma becomes part of that matrix. Thank you, Aaron. And it's that matrix which we experience out there. And incidentally, it's that matrix which our egos want us to obsess over and identify with. The immediate gratification generation for everyone now is so bad for us. Indeed, this, this instant gratification, this desire for immediate uh, response to our every whim, and our every desire, this is the nature of the ego. This is the nature of our demons, of our vices, of our defects that are constantly identified and attached to the matrix out there and into one of two conditions, either bringing into ourselves from that matrix the illusions that we identify with and attach ourselves to and bringing them into our life. So you have this obsession with the new age of attracting what we desire, manifesting what we desire, and using the law of attraction to bring the abundance and bring the love and bring the everything that we want. Well, that's consumption. That's just spiritual consumption. That's just a fancy, that's just a fancy pants way of doing what everybody else is doing, but on the on a so-called spiritual level. And you can say that's from our upbringing, from our parents, Aaron, but it's not, you, we, we, can't, we can't blame what we are on the people that raised us. That's, that's modern psychology's view, and that's an incorrect view. We were born into the families we were born into because of our karma. They were there to help us, and, and believe it or not, they have helped us, even those who have suffered trauma at the hands of their parents. As difficult as that may seem, Trauma is, we attract trauma into our own life. Trauma is there to activate and rekindle in us that which we brought into the world when we were born into it, our own karma. And that karma, those egos have to be brought to the surface in order for us to be able to deal with them, to cope, them, cope with them, to wrestle with them. Yeah? Now, Aaron says, but our parents brainwashed us to our beliefs. Did they? For many, perhaps. But those individuals are brainwashed everywhere they go. They brainwash themselves. Individuals who are 
obsessed with beliefs are they're going to be brainwashed anywhere they go so being brainwashed you might as well be brainwashed by your parents who at least are going to give you some sort of well presumably have given you some sort of coping mechanism survival skills of some kind brainwashing or no brainwashing we want to get away from looking at the world and looking at ourselves on the level of the mind the mind is just the surface and in fact that's exactly what today's talk is about what we uh and this is also ccat we're not talking about reprogramming ourselves what is the use what is the use of reprogramming yourself what is the use of throwing out one program and replacing it with a new program when all programs do are operate dumb binary machines do you want to do you want to remain a dumb primary machine a dumb uh, 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 binary machine because that's what you're doing if you reprogram yourself you cannot learn the truth by programming Aaron you cannot know the truth through programming all you can know is the program all you can know is what the program tells you and that's not truth that's the illusion of truth we are here to get beyond illusion we are here to get into the facts we are get we are here to bust through the matrix in and pass the code into the real world because there is a real world and if we keep peeling back the layers and peeling back the layers and peeling back the layers of ourself we will enter a space a space of love space of severity and mercy of infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom the great i am that i am which is all there is but it's not enough to believe this in the mind and it's not even enough to feel this in the heart because the heart is just another level it's just another layer we need to experience this in our very being and not just our being but the being of our being our beings being the perfect multiple unity of the cosmic Christ the logos the word the fire of fire and the light of lights but how do we get there and how do we get there when we go through life with what amounts to a boat anchor dragging us down and pulling us down always back into this place of chronic whatever chronic stress perhaps and it's an addiction perhaps it's food perhaps it's gambling perhaps it's video games perhaps it's sex it can be any number of conditions perhaps it's uh failed relationships repeating patterns that keep showing up in our life various different areas of our life 
but we plucked out these three words, stress, anxiety, and depression, because of their commonality, and because they sort of cover the gambit of what we'll be looking at. And this word wrestling, this word wrestling denotes several things. The first thing that wrestling suggests is combat, hand-to-hand -hand combat. But wrestling is a specific kind of combat. Wrestling is grappling. Wrestling is a very crude and brutal dance. Wrestling is a particular kind of hand-to-hand -hand martial engagement in which one wrestler seeks to dominate and subdue the other. But it's this dance. And if you watch two very good wrestlers, even perhaps sumo wrestlers, which is a bit of a... a uh, uh, well, not a bit, it's a very taken very seriously in Japan. And you see these, these tremendous physical bodies locked in this, in this battle to dominate the ring and to subdue their opponent. And it takes incredible strength, but also grace. And it's, a, it's this dance. There's another interesting aspect about wrestling, which we should keep in the back of our mind as we progress through today's uh, talk. And that is, it's a spectator sport. Wrestling has always been a spectator sport you would be hard-pressed to find individuals who are actually locked in combat, in serious combat uh, for their lives, uh, doing wrestling moves. Wrestling is this spectator sport. It's about domination. It's about uh, uh, overcoming the other person. It's strategic. It's tactical. It's all of these things, but it's not to the death. If you're looking for that, well, you got to turn to mixed martial arts and some other things to to you know see. And mixed martial arts incorporates aspects of wrestling. They can use wrestling moves, but it's not wrestling. Wrestling was always a spectator sport, going all the way back to the Greeks and the Olympic times, and then later in the Roman times. Of course, they went to the gladiatorial arena, they went to blood sport. Wrestling wasn't enough for them, wasn't exciting enough for them. In modern times, when we think about wrestling, certainly wrestling is a spectator sport. It's one of the most popular spectator sports on television. And there is something peculiar about the brand of wrestling that is shown on television these days. And that is... It's fake. It's scripted. 
wrestling is a story. It's a, it's a, what kind of story is it? It's a soap opera. It's an opera. It's high drama. It's archetypal characters. It's, it's heroes and villains squaring off of each other with against each other in the squared circle. It's giants and giants among men. If you remember Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan and the uh, back in the 80s and the uh, some might call the golden age of wrestling, although to the best of our knowledge, wrestling is still doing fine and well today. And it was all scripted. It was a play. It was tremendous physicality, tremendous physical contact. Tremendous moves and everything, but it was a it was a spectator sport and it was a it was a play. And it was entertainment. It was fun. It was fun for the spectators and it's fun for the wrestlers. Because let's face it. Hello, D. It was, let's face it, wrestling is, if you don't enjoy wrestling, how could you be an Olympic wrestler? If you weren't passionate about wrestling, if you didn't enjoy it, how could you be a WWF wrestler if you didn't enjoy the theatrics of it all and the face paint and the, and the, 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 the physicality and the, uh, the, the stunts? It's, it's, it's a game. It's, it's a game. Wrestling is a sport, but it's, it's also a game. It's a, it's a test of skill. It's a test of strength. And in the case of television wrestling, it's a test of one's ability to tell a story and embody a character, an archetype, and play that character and play that role to entertain the audience. But if we, if we stretch and we really have to stretch now and say it's a soap opera, and if we stretch that soap opera a little bit further and we say it's an opera of physicality, of physical motion, it's like, it's like uh, if you combined ballet with, with martial combat, if you combined ballet with MMA and scripted it, like ballets are scripted, then what do you get? You get what we said at the beginning. It's a dance, and it's a play, and it's a spectator sport. Now, why are we spending all this time on this word wrestling? Because look at what we have combined the word wrestling with. Wrestling with stress, anxiety, depression, or any affliction addictions, self-loathing, narcissism, eating disorders, yo-yo uh, dieting, um, um, a, 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 exactly, C-cat. If wrestling out there has all of these connotations to it, imagine if you could deal with the wrestling internally, what you face, what you wrestle with, 
Imagine if you could somehow conceptualize and see it for what it is. It's an opera. It's a morality play. It's entertainment. It's fun. It's a dance. And it's not real. It's an illusion. It's just a game. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. If you get into a wrestling ring, those Olympic wrestlers, they are buff. They are powerful. They are strong. They are healthy. Why? Because they wrestle. Because they dance. This physical, martial grappling. They grapple with. But grappling like Batman with a grappling gun and whizzing up the side of the, the, the building, right? To grapple, to wrestle. It's not this life and death. It's not this struggle of suffering and pain and all this anxiety. If we contextualize it properly, if we see it for what it is, and we break free of the lies that our ego mind and that contemporary psychology and that our own mind and our own conditioning and our own experiences and our own suffering and our ego's reaction to that suffering want to convince us that it is. Well, and so, what is it, right? Let's look at some a practical example, right? I am depressed, or I am stressed, I am anxious, I am sad, I am whatever, I am fat, I am lazy, I am a loser, I, the whatever, you put anything after that I am. And you should know, all of you should know this by now, if you've uh, watched any of our live streams before, but we'll remind you, this is a bold-faced lie. I am not depressed, and neither are you, and neither is anyone. No one is depressed. How can we say that? Well, we just got through and saying how it's a common, uh, it's such a common uh, uh, thing. Well... Let's look up depression on Wikipedia. Well, you pull up depression on Wikipedia. I don't see a picture of you. Do you? I mean, un unless you're this guy. If you're this guy, okay. All right. All right. If you're this guy, then fine. You can say that you're depressed. But unless you're this guy, you are not depressed. There is no photo of you or unless maybe, uh, or you're this woman, right? If you're this woman or this man, you can claim to be depressed. You are depressed, right? I am depressed. But look, there's no other pictures of anybody here who's depressed. Your picture is not here under the definition of depression, and neither is mine. You are not depressed. I am not depressed. This is a lie. This is a lie that our egos tell us. To what? To keep us trapped 
in the conditioned wrong think, the prison of the mind about what these things are, what depression and anxiety and stress is. So what's the alternative? This, brothers and sisters, is the cold, hard fact. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. I feel stressed. I'm going through a bout of depression right now. Listen to that language. I'm going through a bout of depression. What is a bout? I'm not saying that because I'm Canadian, because I'd be saying a boot, right? No, about a bout of depression is the equivalent of saying a wrestling match with depression. A fit of depression means an attack or a fit of anxiety, right? An anxiety attack. Roy makes a good point here. I am Aum, right? Whenever you say I am blank, you are creating identification. You are creating an attachment. The new age people would say you are affirming something, but you're really only affirming it in your mind, right? And if it's a lie, then you're affirming a lie in your mind. You're creating illusion. In fact, you're creating more delusion. You are deluding yourself by saying, I am stressed. I am anxious. And that is reinforcing the program. That is reinforcing the conditioning. And no one's doing this to you. You're doing it to yourself. But if I'm going through a bout of depression, I am going through this wrestling match with depression right now. And I'm going through, I'm passing through troubled waters. I'm passing through this right now, which means it came and it will go. I'm, I'm just passing through right now. I'm just, I'm just a passerby. I'm passing through. I'm watching. I am a spectator, in other words. I experience it. I am experiencing stress. I am experiencing anxiety. This is the first step. I feel it. We want to, we don't want to live in denial. We don't want to reject. We don't want to uh, reject the experience. We're here to experience, and we're here to learn something from that experience. But we're here to dance in that experience. We're here to wrestle. And remember, wrestling is fake. It's scripted. This has all been scripted by our Divine Mother. This bout of depression, this bout of anxiety, this, this bout, this, this bender that we went on, whether it's alcohol or drugs or, or food. And believe, believe me, we know about going on benders. We don't drink. We don't do drugs. We don't smoke. We don't do, but believe we're Hungarian and, and, and trust us, our challenge is food, right? Sugar, chocolate. You name it, it's it's that's that's what we go through. That's what we have to deal with. Um, the uh, the the constant allure 
and the constant uh, yo-yo back back and forth and the binging, right? The, the binge eating and going through three or four days of binging on ice cream or whatever. They, like This is something that we go through on a regular basis. And, I, and we, we just come around and around and around and back to it again. And we can get off of it. And this is what they call yo-yo dieting. And we'll get to why that is. We'll get to the exact mechanics of how all that works in, in just a little bit. But we don't want to make light of this point that we're making here. I To feel depressed, to feel stressed, to feel anxiety, to feel anything to feel desired to feel excited uh d asks what is yo-yo dieting uh we'll get to it in a little bit just hold that thought and we'll get to the yo-yo dieting in the bit when we when we talk about the mechanics of the law of the pendulum but but we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves we don't want this point to be lost and we want to stretch this out to encompass every experience that we have i am the greatest i am a loser i'm so stupid i am how many times do we find ourselves saying things like that just our self-talk and identifying and attaching ourselves to delusion and reinforcing that on the level of programming of the mind do we catch ourselves when we say that when we do that because I do that. I do that all the time. But I catch myself doing it. I see myself doing it. I watch myself doing it. And I say, there, okay, there my mind is wrestling. There I am wrestling with my ego. That shame, that pride. Because we talked about in the, uh, in the past how shame and pride are the uh, two sides of the same coin. Okay, so what this means is that egos use the mind and use our emotions and use our sensations to create these lies, these illusions, these delusions. And for the most part, we can recognize the underlying ego. So if I say, I am hungry or I'm starving, or I'm dying for some chocolate. It's, it's sort of easy on the surface to recognize what ego is behind that statement. But when I feel depressed, or I feel anxiety, or I feel stressed, it's not so easy to get at the underlying cause of that stress because it's beneath the surface. Today, we are going to really be delving into the subconscious mind and egos that remain hidden beneath the surface where we don't typically have access to them. But they still affect us. And how they affect us are these persistent, ongoing, nagging conditions that we experience on the surface. But we need to be able to dive beneath the surface and recognize what is truly the root cause 
of those surface conditions. So for example, stress, anxiety, agitation, this is what we can experience on the surface. And what's, what's beneath causing that? That's the ego of fear. And it's corollary, just as pride is shame and pride are two sides of the same coin, fear and control are two sides of the same ego. The desire to control is just fear. Because fear of outcomes means you desire control of outcomes. But this means that when you penetrate into your anxiety and penetrate into your stress, into your agitation, your dis-ease, your psychological dis-ease, your emotional dis-ease, um, we want to recognize that these are symptoms. Anxiety is a symptom. Stress, a symptom. Agitation, a symptom. Dee says that this is a good topic because she's taking psychology classes right now. You will probably be taught anxiety and stress and agitation as if they are themselves some kind of psychological condition. They are not. Modern psychology has taken an allopathic approach to mental health. In other words, they treat symptoms. They don't treat causes. They try to treat anxiety. You can't treat anxiety. Well, they medicate for anxiety. They try to treat stress. So they, they give you all of these, oh, stress exercises and meditation and try to de-stress and relaxation and you know, and do this and do that to try to control your stress and get your stress under control. Listen to those words. Try to get your anxiety under control. Try to get your stress under control. Let's, uh, let's not put too fine a point on it. But uh, actually, you know what? This one... We're going to do, look at this word right here. Okay. I'm going to go back to pen here. Now, if anxiety, stress, and agitation have at their root the dual, uh, the dual, ego of fear and control, how does desiring to control your anxiety and stress and agitation eliminate the ego of control? Can somebody answer that for me? D, ask your psychology teacher. How does the desire to control circumstances. For example, if you're stressed out at work or agitation, you're agitated by your lover, you're agitated by your family, you're agitated when you go out in public because you have social anxiety disorder. You feel agitation when you're on a plane because you, you, you have fear of flying. Or you feel agitation when you're in a group setting because the group is not listening to you. You're not, you're not being heard. 
and you desperately want to be heard. You want your point to be made. You want to control the situation. You want to control others. You want to control life. You want to control your workplace. You want that. You want the, everything to uh, conform to what to your safe space, to your comfort and security. And when you your when these circumstances which don't perfectly align with your desires for the specific things that give you comfort and security, you desire to change them. You want to control the situation. You want to control and change the circumstances. When you can't do that, you become agitated. You become even angry or you become stressed and you feel it in your bones. You feel it in your muscles. You, and you feel it in your tension, in your neck or wherever you feel it or your heart. You feel it emotionally. You feel it mentally. Your, your mind starts racing starts going like the, the the hamster starts running in the wheel like mad so how can you overcome that through desiring to control even more the answer is simple you cannot it is impossible you cannot overcome an ego while you are feeding an ego, while you are indulging it. If you are using an ego, if you are in an ego, the desire to control, you cannot overcome the desire to control while you are desiring to control. So, but in wrestling, you still want to subdue your opponent. Wrestling is all about control, isn't it? Modern psychology won't tell you that, though. No, they won't tell you what we just told you. <laughs> of course not, because they don't know what we just told you. Because they don't know it. Because they have no concept of egos. In the, in the metaphysical sense. Because they think that's just reductionism. They say, no, 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 anxiety and anxiety is entirely different from stress. Is it? How so? It's just a different symptom. It's a different manifestation of the same underlying ego. Let's look at another example. Depression. Depression beneath the surface is anger now we know this one very well because we suffer from depression we also have suffered from um, um, we've also suffered from anxiety and um, oh, what's the uh, the word the expression we're looking for um, insecurity we were very insecure as, as, a, as a child. We suffered terrible insecurity. And, uh, well, anyway, we, we maybe can get into more of that detail later. I think we've discussed this in the past anyway. But the reason why there's an asterisk here next to our, um, yeah, there's our pen. There's an asterisk here next to our word anger. And that's because we know that um, 
anger very often has another ego behind it. Anger is like the last expression of it. Like we can be very angry, but usually there's a reason behind our anger. And so, for example, there can be sexual frustration, lust. Um, there can be fear. And fear very often turns into anger because, again, it's this word control. And when we lose control, we don't have control, someone takes control away from us, or someone tries to control us, fear begets fear. So if somebody is afraid of us and is trying to control us, we react with fear. We react with controlling them. And when the fear begets fear and then it becomes this, this they start feeding each other, feeding each other, we get this downward spiral, it degenerates into anger and yelling and screaming and fighting. So how does all of that become depression on the surface? Well, if you can use your imagination and visualize wrath and ego raging in your subconsciousness, in the subconscious mind, raging, just fuming with seething anger, but it's below the surface. So what comes to the surface but that toxicity, that negativity, that, that, that when someone is seething with anger and if you're just in the same room with them because they're using up energy. Anger requires tremendous energy to sustain. Frustration, anger sucks the life right out of us. And the number one symptom of depression is lack of energy. The energy is sucked out of us from within. And again, I know depression intimately, intimately, very well. I mean, studied it for literally decades in, within myself and all the different facets of it and, and how it operates. And it's, it just, you, you, you know, like it's speak to anybody who suffers from chronic depression. They'll tell you, you just can't get out of bed in the morning or you feel as though you can't get out of bed in the morning. You have no motivation to do anything. The life force, the chi, the prana, everything is just being drained out of you. Well, it's not being drained out of you, outside of you. It's being drained out of you into this seething demon of anger. But again, this anger is very often a uh, working hand in hand with another underlying ego, be it fear, be it lust. It can be other egos as well. It can be gluttony or, or, or envy or, you know, it can be other egos as well. But the primary ones are lust and fear. So trying to deal with depression, you're, you're, you're trying to, you're, you're wrestling with the wrong, you're wrestling with a shadow. 
trying to deal with anxiety, stress, or agitation, you're wrestling with a shadow. What you need to be wrestling with is down here, not up here. This is the surface. What about addiction and self-sabotage, self-sabotaging behavior, self-sabotaging tendencies? Because addictions, addiction is self-sabotaging, but there are other expressions of self-sabotaging which do not appear as addiction. They don't, they don't have the same qualities or characteristics as an addiction, but their underlying cause beneath the surface it's it's self-loathing which is again this asterisk right self-loathing isn't an ego self-loathing is just another manifestation or expression but it's a different layered level we include it here because just to say shame doesn't say enough oh i'm ashamed because the the word shame has a connotation with it. Oh, I'm ashamed. Oh no, it's okay. No, it's fine to be ashamed of yourself. I'm ashamed of this accident. I'm ashamed of that. We were we were raised to be ashamed of various different things. But self-loathing is a very particular kind of shame. It's self-hate. It's right. So it's 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 shame combined with anger, right, to create the self-loathing, this hatred towards oneself. So self-loathing, in many ways, is the polar opposite of narcissism, which is self-love, too much self-love. So if you combine, so which is, again, pride. These are all related. Pride taken to an extreme is narcissism, too much self-love. The flip side of pride, shame, taken to extreme, is self-loathing. But again, it has this, this anger component to it. Because anger leads to hate, leads to violence. And if you think about racism, systemic hatred, or... Uh, any sort of systemic hatred, it can be racism, it can be uh, sexism, misogyny, uh, misandry, homophobia, um, seething contempt, hatred, to the point where one is willing to commit acts of violence to eradicate, to exterminate the other in a bid to resolve the anger, the hatred. Now, apply that subconsciously to oneself. And you can see how self-loathing manifests as addiction but also there's uh extreme forms of this include cutting um cutting scarring but there's also psychological self-sabotage 
So one will go into work and one will deliberately behave in ways whereby one's success uh, is guaranteed is uh, how should I say <laughs> one's success is guaranteed to fail if we can say it that way one is guaranteed to fail one sets oneself up so that they are guaranteed to fail so success is not an option why because many people fear success and again you see you have this fear coming into play and the desire to control right to control outcomes so i'm self-sabotage i'm sabotaging myself and i'm doing so by sabotaging external circumstances and future things from happening or not happening i'm sabotaging my own success my own ability or i'm sabotaging myself physically this is another type of control interesting it's interesting how anxiety and stress and depression many of which are rooted in fear but then we also find addiction self-sabotage also have this fear and control component you see now how why this covidiacy around the world is completely focused on fear because fear is in many ways the antithesis of love and fear is according to dune according to frank herbert's dune fear is the mind killer what he really meant by that is fear is the consciousness killer fear is the uh hypnotist but fear is in star wars parlance fear is darth sidious fear is emperor palpatine fear lurks in the shadows what is the subconsciousness what is beneath the surface out of sight out of mind operating from the shadows operating from the depths from the darkness it's fear and what is it doing it's controlling and how is it controlling with illusion and delusion it it does it does this 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 pantomime for us on the surface this to distract us to 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 bait and switch us to get us to focus on anxiety and stress and agitation and depression and addiction and self-sabotage and all those things out there and all those people that are and victimhood and victimization which is another just self-loathing right it's a it's a toxicity and then there's a um a passive aggressive behavior and all this sort of uh, toxic narcissism and everything else and it's all stemming from what's beneath the surface in the subconscious mind. And these are the causes. And fear and control always are there. Why? Because the subconscious is fear. That's why it's subconscious. That's why it's hidden. Fear is afraid. Fear cannot be 
anything but what it is. How can fear be anything other than what it is? It is a program. Fear fears. Fear hides in the shadows. The whole of the subconscious mind is fear, which is why it's so difficult to penetrate. Because it doesn't want you to see it. It wants to remain hidden. It wants to remain. And it's, so it's going to throw up all this bullshit on the surface, which is going to make you suffer, suffer from it. It's a wrestler that's throwing you all these like different moves and stuff. And it's getting you tangled up. Like, like it's getting you grappled up and tangled up in its, in its arms and its limbs and its legs in order to subdue you, to keep you down, to keep you from pinning it down. Egos lie. Egos do not tell the truth. Their modus operandi is deception and illusion and delusion. That is what they do. There is no truth in ego, period. End of story. Anybody who tells you otherwise, they're speaking through ego and it's the Black Lodge lying to you. The ego's very divinely ordained purpose is to be that. If our goal is truth, objective reality, and truth in love, the ego's divinely ordained purpose is to oppose and challenge and test that. How do you oppose and test and challenge objective truth? With lies, with illusion, with deception, and with subjective truths. Alternative facts, they said in the uh, U.S. media, right? Alternative facts, alternative truth, whatever. They, they, they use this, this, this nonsense. This brothers and sisters, is such a fundamental and self-evident experiential knowledge. This is so self-evident. When you spend five minutes medit in meditation on this, it just totally becomes clear. And look at Seacat uh, made this, this comment a few minutes ago. And we think it's perfectly apropos to the conversation. We get comfortable being we get comfortable being uncomfortable. So when things get comfortable, we have to make things uncomfortable again. <laughs> Is that not the kind of the, the perfect kind of uh, um, convoluted, uh, you know, ring around the rosy type game going around and around and around and around where this these egos are, are, are creating this surface level, um, these waves on the surface. And we're desperately trying to navigate these waves on the surface. And meanwhile, all the whole while, it's just it's these undercurrents 
that are going around and around, causing these waves and these ripples and these 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 uh, maelstroms and storms that we get caught up in on the surface. And it's all it's all for control, and to keep our eye off of them, to keep our eye off the ball. And they're really good at it because contemporary psychology knows nothing of what we're talking about here. The, the contemporary psychology is focused up here. They say, well, we're going to help you with your anxiety. We're going to help you with your, with your depression. We're going to help you with your addiction. No, you can't help anybody with their depression and their anxiety and their addiction. You have to get in beneath the surface and help them with their fear. And their need to control and their anger and their lust and their self-loathing, their shame, their pride. That's what you have to help them get at beneath the surface in the subconsciousness. This is why Carl Jung said, until you make the subconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Everything that we experience on the surface has its origin uh, somewhere in our subconsciousness because that's the modus operandi of egos to lie to deceive and to hide from us but now let's you know we we, we talked about wrestling we talked about having fun how do you have fun With any of this anybody who has suffered from any of this stuff fun is the last word that comes to mind right none of none of this is fun right and why isn't it fun well because when the storm hits and the storm comes we've all faced it we've all been in the storm and that storm of psychological hell, emotional, mental, sometimes physical suffering. And it's, it's this storm. And, and while we're in it, this is what we're going through. We're going through whatever it is we're going through on the surface. And then beneath the surface, these things are having their way with us. And it's lightning and it's thunderbolts and the waves and the crashing waves and everything else. And, and we feel totally and completely lost at sea. Where's the fun in any of that? Where's the fun in any of this? And where's the wrestling match here? Right? Where's the, you know, picture yourself in that little boat, in that little dinghy. It's not a dinghy, it's a skiff. But you got the idea. This isn't some great galleon even. It's not a cruise ship. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a skiff. It's a rowboat. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. I don't see a gently rowing stream here. 
There is no merrily, merrily, merrily. Yeah, life is but a dream, but life is a freaking nightmare here. And we all know it. We've been there, each and every one of us. We've experienced this. We've experienced ourselves just barely trying to keep our heads above water. Trying to keep ourselves from capsizing and going down into the deep and truly, truly being lost at sea. And whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's stress, addiction, self-loathing, binging, the dark night of the soul, when we're in the ninth circle of hell, or it feels like it, and nothing is going our way, and we're being tossed back and forth by the waves, and it's all coming crashing down around us. You know, how the, how the, like, you know, how do you, how? Here's how. When it's darkest, and when it's the worst, and when we are feel most lost and most in it, that's anybody, any ship captain, right, who's in that situation, they look to the lighthouse. We picked this image on purpose because the boat is empty. There's no one in the boat, right? You are not the boat. You are the light, and you are the lighthouse keeper, shining the light of consciousness on your vessel, on your mortal vessel, the one that gets tossed back and forth in the water. If you remain identified with the boat, right? If you remain identified with the boat and the boat is not just our body, the boat is our mind and the boat is our heart. The boat is our energy. The boat is our, the boat is our vessel. The lighthouse keeper is our innermost being our true self, the keeper of the light, the one who has the ability to focus our consciousness, our consciousness, to draw our attention, to observe, in other words. And the light is the being of our being. Our innermost intimate Christ, the cosmic Christ, the Logos, is the, is the light 
that comes through consciousness that our being puts into focus when we remain mindful and aware and self-observant. If you're in the lighthouse and you're pointing the light and you're shining the light on the boat amidst the waves, are you in danger? Is your life at risk? Is your life in peril? Are you are you so identified with the boat? You're on you're on safe and solid ground. You're in the lighthouse. And you're keeping a close eye, you're keeping a close watch on the boat. It's not going to be lost at sea. And the storm will pass. As Seacat says here, the sun will rise again. The crazy waves will die down. So what's there to fret about? What's there to worry about? This, this healthy distance, this healthy, healthy separation, this is the separation that can help us. Why? Because if we remain in the boat, then we are separated from the lighthouse keeper and the light. If we're in it and of it, then we're getting tossed around on the, on the waves and we're getting lost in the maelstrom and, and, it's, and the waves are crashing around us and we're, th and we're just in this little dinghy, we're in this little skiff and we're completely at the mercy of circumstances. But if we take ourselves out of ourselves and observe ourselves, Observe the boat, observe the vessel going through the storm. And we're shining the light of consciousness on that. But we are rooted soundly and firmly in our being, in our innermost. And that which is infinite and unmoving and unshakable within us. Then we can be in it, but not of it. To be in it, but not of it. And then what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And the storm will pass, and the sun will shine, and the seas will calm. This may sound like it's some kind of a metaphor or allegory or just, you know, just poetic something or other, but it's not. It's a very real, practical, applicable strategy to dealing with what takes place on the surface because that's where storms happen and storms happen to the vessel. And this relationship, if we can develop this relationship Learn to be in it, but not of it. If we can learn to put the pr practice, the lighthouse, 
into practice in our lives. We can endure anything with equanimity and peace. It is what it is. It is what it is. When we say it is what it is, that's like saying, I am that I am. It is what it is. I am what I am. And I am what I am. I am that I am is Aheye, Asher, Aheye is the holy name of God. Now, how different is that from I am depressed, I am anxious, I am so stressed? This is I am depressed, I am anxious, I am so stressed. This, it is what it is. I am what I, I am what I am. And the light of consciousness reveals that to us. And what's more, the light of consciousness reveals the nature of the storm and all the waves and everything that's happening to the vessel, we can observe it. And then we can discover the secrets of the Leviathan, of the monsters lurking in the deep that, that conjured up the storm, that caused the storm in the first place, which are those egos which we which we had talked about which we uh, which we had shown earlier so when we there's a there's a great uh, scene from Forrest Gump where Lieutenant Dan and Forrest are on the uh, shrimping boat and the storm hits and uh, Forrest is scared but Lieutenant Dan was was mad and he gets on the in the crow's nest and he starts shaking his fist at God and he said is this the best you can do you can't sink this boat and uh, it's this marvelous scene where, of course, it's just, it's this reckoning between him and the Almighty when he feels that he's he's taking the Almighty to task for having taken his legs in Vietnam, and he's going to square off with God, and he's going to have this wrestling match with God. And sure enough, not only do they survive the storm? But there's this beautiful and touching scene where Lieutenant Dan says to Forrest, he says, I never thanked you for saving my life. And he he jumps in the in the water and he's doing this backstroke into the sunset. And Forrest says, I think in that moment. Lieutenant Dan made his peace with God. The reason why that scene is so beautiful and so touching and why it's so meaningful, juxtaposed against that scene of them 
in the storm. Because not only does Lieutenant Dan find it in his heart to finally thank Forrest Gump, an idiot, someone for whom he had nothing but contempt all this time, but now he finds it in his heart, the grace and the humility to thank him for saving his life, a life which for, for, the, for the first time in a long time, Lieutenant Dang realizes is not only worth living, but is beautiful and precious and meaningful and purposeful and powerful. And how did he find that out? How did he learn that? By going through this storm, by wrestling with fate itself, by, by having a wrestling match with God. And of course, if you know the story, you know that what happens is that all the other shrimp boats were destroyed and all of a sudden shrimping becomes easy and they form the Bubba Gump Shrimp Empire and they become millionaires. And it was all because of this wrestling match. And Lieutenant Dang, Dang's uh, approach, even though he's on the boat, but he he sees it for what it is. It's a wrestling match. It's a challenge. It's just, it's you and me, he says. And we've talked about this before in the past about our egos. Our egos are our adversaries, but they're not our enemies. It's important to keep that in mind. You don't wrestle an enemy. We've, we... That's why we spend the time that we do on the words that we do because language is, po is powerful. Lang uh, words are power and meaning and language is magical. And in order to, to extract the truth which is contained within them, we have to fully comprehend holistically all the imbued, embedded power, imbued magical power that's sitting in dormant and in, in latent state if you want to release that from those words you don't wrestle an enemy you, you shoot an enemy you stab an enemy you you do mixed martial arts an enemy but you don't wrestle an enemy you wrestle an opponent in a game, in a match, in the Olympics, on TV. You wrestle for a reason. And Lieutenant Dan wrestles God on that boat in the middle of the storm. And it's a beautiful scene because, he, because even though Forrest Gump says that Lieutenant Dan is mad, but he's not mad. He's, he's relishing it. He's, for the first time, for in a long time, he's alive. Perhaps for the first time in his entire life, he's alive in a way that he has never been alive before. And he's going, woohoo! And he's riding these waves, and he's riding in the crow's nest, and, and it is in this storm, and he's, he's wrestling God. What could be more exhilarating than that what could be more intense than wrestling with god
worthwhile keeping in the back of our mind and the next time we face the storm the next time we find ourselves in a fit of anxiety or stress or depression remember lieutenant dan in the crow's nest remember the lighthouse because we watch that scene we watch that scene in forrest gump as a spectator as someone in the audience watching a movie so we can watch lieutenant dan in this boat a character a personality our personality in this boat on this ship in the middle of a storm wrestling with god why are we wrestling with god how is it why, why is it we're wrestling with god because our karma our our egos are manifestations of our karma and the law is the word and the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and when we say when we are in the um lighthouse and we look to what's going on to the skiff to the dinghy in the storm we say what we say it is what it is and if we say it is what it is what we're really saying is i am that i am and if it is what it is and i am that i am and there's a wrestling match going on between it is what it is and i am that i am then guess what i am wrestling with god and in truth god is wrestling with himself and what self is god wrestling with if you've been watching our uh, if you've been watching our uh, live streams uh, you will know that God is wrestling all of manifest reality is a wrestling match all of manifest reality is kung fu it's all the Tao severity and mercy pandas and peacocks it's it's this game and we'll keep coming back to that it's a it's this game it's a wrestling match it's a dance and it can be fun it can be exhilarating it can be challenging of course it can even be painful it can be there's there's suffering involved but you don't have to identify with the suffering you can be in the lighthouse right you can be in the lighthouse you don't have to be in the skiff
Pandas and Peacocks. Lieutenant Dan. In the storm. These, these properties are not just entertainment. This is, you know, Forrest Gump and Kung Fu Panda and, and so on. There is, the Logos is speaking to us all the time. God, God is in everything. And God is speaking to us all the time. If we have but the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And by the way, there is a tremendous uh, scene in Kung Fu Panda 2 at the end, which is just this incredibly power, powerful scene with the uh, with the fire and the fire of the fire and and the uh, the the implication there being uh, the use of white tantra and to overcome our uh, our egos and it's just this uh, tremendous tremendous scene. It's worthwhile watching and meditating upon. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. Those who want to avoid pain, those who want to avoid suffering, the entire new age and their, their power of positive thinking are completely missing the point. They're completely missing the point of the game. They're not playing the game. They're avoiding the game. They think they can cheat the game, but you can't cheat this game. The people in the Black Lodge, the people doing black magic think they can cheat the game. They think that by manifesting their desires, they can get the outcome that they desire, that they, 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 can, get, they can control outcomes and control circumstances and avoid suffering and avoid uh, pain, but you cannot cheat this game why would god cheat himself it is what it is and i am that i am why would i cheat what would be the point the only point to cheat is to cheat oneself to cheat god is to cheat oneself and if God's cheating oneself out of the game, then he's losing the game. He's not winning the game. He's losing the game. Karma is karma. We have to face that. But there is another interesting phenomena. Remember, we began by talking about the persistent nature. That these storms... They, they come and go. And this is where we're going to talk about things like yo-yo dieting, D. <laughs> so here we have um, the storm, and here we have the calm before the storm. And here we have the pendulum swinging. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And in another in another way, in another form, we can visualize the the yin and yang of the Tao. 
And if you've read the Tao Te Ching, you know that this rotates. And at the North Pole, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. Bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. And around and around and around and around and around and around it goes. That is what is being visualized here and what is described in the law of the pendulum. And we are just so grateful that we found this particular pendulum because it's such a beautiful mechanical looking pendulum because the law of the pendulum is a mechanical law. And we are governed, this planet is governed by the moon. Mechanical nature is governed by the moon. The moon acts as the pendulum for this planet. And the phases of the moon determine uh, you know, waxing or waning, whether we're on an upswing or a downswing into calm waters or into the storm. And we experience this, you know, personally as well. Um, there's when we're when we're approaching or going through the full moon versus the, the the new moon, and when it's full moon, things are things are bad, right? I mean, there's more murders and violent crimes, and you know, this these statistics don't lie. The full moon is when the egos go crazy. They're they're empowered. Um, we can get into the metaphysical uh, science behind that, but the moon is reflected light. It is subjective light. It is mechanical. It is not pure light that comes directly from the sun. It's being reflected off the surface of the moon, and the moon is mechanical, and the moon is... Uh, it's, it's, so that light is modified, and it is, it is moonlight. And moonlight, even though lots of people claim moonlight is powerful and they do magic by moonlight, etc., and everything else, well, it's black magic, right? Moonlight, you, you, moonlight doesn't empower white magic. White magic is empowered by solar light, by solar atoms, by solar energy. Moonlight is the light of mechanical nature. It's the light of darkness. It's the light of egos. It's light, but it's modified light. It's subjected, subjective light. So this pendulum uh, that we are all caught on, we swing between happy and sad, between um, success and failure, between, you know, profit and 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 loss um and when we diet if we try to go on a diet we may lose we may do well for two weeks on our diet three weeks but then this pendulum will swing back into the storm and then we'll just we'll 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 go crazy on a full moon or close to a full moon and and we're like and we'll binge on doritos or we'll We'll, we'll, we'll go out or, or we're, if we're trying to uh, quit smoking or if we're trying to quit drinking, we'll find ourselves being tempted and falling off the wagon and going on a bender or going on a binge or doing whatever as this pendulum is swinging into the darkness. And all you need to do is observe yourself in your life and you will see that these chronic things that you suffer from 
will go on this undulating pattern of the pendulum where they get worse and then it eases up and then it get worse again and then it go, goes bad again and goes and, and just it's like a breath it's like breathing it's like any other pattern of nature it's like any other up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down right the goal of our spiritual journey is to get off of this pendulum to get off of these mechanical rides that we are on this is just what this is it's a swing set and our goal is to escape this is to free ourselves because all of these cycles all of these the law of the pendulum the law of return the, um, these are all uh, what are empowering and causing our our uh, suffering so why is it important to understand or to know or to see that this law of the pendulum is a thing in our lives because as we've described uh, very often um, as we've described very often um, why did that stop now there we go oh it's gonna stop if I try to open something else up okay anyway we'll keep it going for now To observe our egos, to observe the causes of our suffering is the first step to be able to liberate ourselves from our suffering. And the challenge when we are observing things like depression is that observing the depression is just observing the symptoms. We can't get anywhere observing depression. We can't get anywhere observing Right? We can't get anywhere observing these things on the surface. We have to observe these things. Right? But they're but but they're beneath the surface. So how do you observe something that's beneath the surface? Well, the law of the pendulum and understanding that the ebb and flow we can begin to uh, better recognize what the causes of our symptoms are. What's more is that we can use the law of the pendulum and use the regularity and the mechanicity of that against the egos themselves. So we can know when to be extra vigilant for example, we can know when to be extra careful. So if we are heading into, um, for lack of a better expression, um, 
for lack of a better expression, we can know when not to put ourselves in harm's way, if that's the right way to put it. So if, for example, we are trying to lose weight, if we're trying to get our gluttony under control, if we're trying to, to diet and get our, our fast, and we are aware of our one week or two week cycle of you know, being on the pendulum of going from bad to good and back again. If we know that we're the cycle of the moon is coming, the, the full moon is coming, um, we can avoid having certain food in the house that we know is going to be too tempting for us to resist. So we don't buy the ice cream. We don't buy the chips. We don't bring that stuff home with us um, as the full moon approaches if we've observed ourselves that, that that is when we binge that is when we we you know so we can but then the other thing we can do is uh pray and meditate or do fasting or do other practices do our prayers of protection for example when we are during those times of uh, danger, those those heightened moments when we're passing into the storm. Um, we can also do other coping mechanisms that we might have. And when we are dealing with these surface level symptoms, there are many, let's shall we say, uh, mundane or more pedestrian coping mechanisms that we might have to have to do so this this is where we can turn to modern psychology and uh therapy and so on to get some advice on how to manage stress and manage anxiety and manage depression because we will have to learn how to live with these symptoms Remember, observing it from the lighthouse is one thing, but when you're suffering from depression, you're dealing with the low energy, you're dealing with the bad feelings, you're dealing with, you can say, I don't identify with it, but you still feel the feelings. And if, the, if your mind gets caught up, for example, in anxiety or agitation or self-loathing, uh, self-sabotage, and you have constant, persistent mental patterns that keep showing up, your mind keeps, you can't get your mind off of uh, whatever is causing you anxiety or worry. There are things you can do. So for example, you can play a game. Take your mind off of the anxiety. Now, are you actually getting to what's causing the anxiety when you're doing that? No, but what you are doing is you are uh, basically distracting yourself from the distraction. And the reality is, is when you live with any of these things or any sort of chronic uh, mental dis-ease, right? Because that's what illness is, dis-ease, right? Lack of peace, lack of ease. And 
whether it's anxiety, depression, does addiction, it doesn't matter. You live with this. You you on it. You have to learn how to live with it. People who are uh, alcoholics will tell you that they are alcoholics till the day until the day they die. You never stop being an alcoholic just because you stop drinking. And that's because the demon of alcoholism, the self-loathing, the shame and the pride is still there. If you can somehow manage to eliminate it, then possibly at some point you can say that, you know, you're not an alcoholic anymore. But the chemical addiction is probably still in the body. So even if you have tremendous breakthroughs in psychology, uh, it's probably wise not to not to try drinking again. This is probably true for many hard drugs as well because of the physiologic physiological changes that happen in the body uh, through that uh, addiction. So there's there's chemical there's neuropsychological chemical uh, considerations to to be made there. So again, being in it and being in it but not of it uh, means learning how to cope because sometimes this is not enough right sometimes this is just we can we can say this we can do this we can try to practice this but this is not easy to do this is not easy to do if you suffer from severe depression severe anxiety this your egos are constantly going to be trying to drag you out of the lighthouse back into the boat. So there are times when if you're going to be if you're going to be in the lighthouse, not in the boat, and you're waiting for the storm to pass, pull out a deck of cards, play some solitaire in the lighthouse. Get your mind out of the boat. Because your, your ego is going to want to keep dragging your mind and your emotions back into that boat and get you to fear losing your life, losing your livelihood, you know, fearing and whatever it is and, uh, and suffering and they want you to, to, to ride that boat. But you want to observe that boat and not get caught up in it. So a game can help take our mind off of whatever is... is uh, um, uh, weighing heavily on our mind, what we can't get our mind off of. Um, physical exercise is a great way of burning off energy that has been negatively charged. So depression, anxiety, stress, agitation, the energy has been charged negatively by the ego, been turned into that frustration, that anger, that agitation, stress. So uh, physical exercise, of course, uh, is good to help cope with that. There's lots of activities that we can do. And it doesn't have to be working out even. You can go for a walk. You can clean the house. You can make a meal. You can transmute that negative energy into something positive, in other words. Um, put on some loud music. Put on some Beethoven or some Wagner. Put it in your iPod. Stick it in your ears. Grab the vacuum cleaner and vacuum the house like you've never vacuumed the house before. You'll be doing something good. You'll be cleaning. You'll be, you know, you'll be doing something good and you'll be doing something good for yourself. 
the Beethoven is going to be uh, helping to uh, transmute all that negative energy into something beautiful. And the physical activity is going to be good for you. We would say, in fact, listening to Beethoven or Mozart or Wagner or Bach or Liszt or, or just about any beautiful music, uh, classical music or music that's uh, beautiful for you, uh, that really speaks to your heart, um, put that on and just listen to it. Close your eyes and listen to it and really listen to it. You can also put on a beautiful movie. Sometimes when we're feeling depressed, just, we will we will put on Forrest Gump and we will watch Forrest Gump or we will watch the Shawshank Redemption and we will completely and totally just watch the movie and allow ourselves to to go into the go into the uh, movie to take our mind off of you know just give us a, give ourselves a reprieve from the the, uh, the 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 bad feelings because sometimes we we have to cope in other words just because we're in the lighthouse observing ourselves doesn't mean that the vessel isn't suffering and isn't going through a, a, a bunch of shit and the mind and the emotions um, they they can perhaps use a break from what they're going through having said that having said that we do not want to go so far as to completely block out the storm. We chose this image because the lighthouse is shining light on the boat and on the storm. The vessel needs the lighthouse to be shining on it. That We need the light of consciousness to be observing what's happening in our three brains. So we have to remain mindful. And it's difficult to do. It's hard at times to be in it and not of it and observant of it. So watch the mind going crazy. Watch the heart feeling what it's feeling. Watch the physical body going through the it's, uh, stress or anxiety or depression or whatever. Or the addiction, like the sh getting the shakes or uh, whether you know, on a, you're on a diet and then you get the cravings. And the cravings burn. Like you really, 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 I mean, I don't have to tell you this. You guys all know what this is like. And, and it's important not to completely shut it out because there's only one way we're going to get off this pendulum. And that is we got to get to the stuff beneath the surface. And, and, To be in cognition, to be cognizant that these surface level, these surface level symptoms are just symptomatic of these subconscious causes. This, all this, we have to remain observant of all of this and cognizant of all of this, these relationships. And then be able to contemplate or and meditate and go in deep and say, look, if I'm suffering from anxiety and anxiety is fear, what am I afraid of? What, 
where is this fear coming from? Why or what is the nature of this fear? What am I really afraid of? That I suffer from anxiety. And understanding that fear is control, the, the, that relationship, you can start to look at other aspects of your life. So one of the things that uh, my family members noticed about me when I'm suffering from depression is how quick to anger I am and I, how quickly I would get angry and, and would snap at them or be frustrated or, or and I would notice this in myself and and I would lose patience with people like this when I was depressed well because depression is anger deep-seated subconscious anger but then when I in the observance of that how quickly and why would I get why was I losing my patience with people what was making me angry why would I why was I snapping at them and it was always the case where they weren't adhering to what I wanted so my the, I they they were out of control they were out of my control or they were doing things so for example one of my pet peeves was I like to cook and one of my pet peeves is not having my kitchen uh, the way I left it so not having my tools and not having my dishes and not having my utensils where they where I need them to be so when I'm cooking something I want to reach and grab my spatula and I reach and grab the knife and reach and grab right so I so I you know when I go to grab something and it's not there very quickly lose patience with whoever didn't put thing back in its spot right that's control that's fear and so this when we're have when we have anxiety right again it's it's what are the things when we are stressed what manifests while we are stressed being stressed is one thing oh i'm stressed but what other behaviors bubble up and and show themselves how do um fear and control because they will when when we are in stress anxiety agitation right fear and control are behind that they're pushing those symptoms to the surface but that means they themselves what that means is they are acting close to the surface they're close they're near to where we can get at them and they're not very precise anxiety is like depression it's a radiation which means there's others there's other things going on fear is going to fear fear is going to control and it's it's going to want to do that as much as possible all the time and it's rate it's doing that beneath the surface and that's what's causing anxiety on the surface or the stress or the agitation on the surface but that means it's doing something just below the surface and we can get at that in the same way that uh, a whaler gets at a whale when it comes up to when it comes up to breathe or another fisherman a harpoon fisherman or whatever gets at a shark when he sees the shark fin come out of the water 
it's, it's, it's the same way. The anxiety, the stress is there. What's stressing us out? But then what are these other things that we do when we're stressed out? And then we observe those behaviors. And we keep digging into those behaviors. What's behind that? What's behind that? What's behind that? And then we get a better handle on this subconscious entity, this 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 creature, this opponent, this 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 uh, uh, dragon down in the labyrinth, this Medusa, the Minotaur, at the heart of the labyrinth, which is bringing such havoc to the surface world. And we can go in in meditation, and we can go hunting for that uh, for that ego. So it's a it's a balancing act. It's a dance. It's a wrestling match. So, in other words, if you are if you are wrestling with someone with an opponent and they've got you in a headlock, or they've got you in a, uh, a whatever hold, right? Um, you have to get yourself out of the hold before you can turn the tables on your opponent, right? You're not going to be able to pin the opponent. If they've got you in a half Nelson or a full Nelson, you got to get out of the you got to get out of the half Nelson to the full Nelson first. Um, but it, that's what it is. It's a wrestling match, and um, then we can get into uh, the the observations and and and. We cannot observe what is in our subconscious mind. That's its nature. We can only observe what's on the surface, what's bubbling up to the surface, but we can intuit what's beneath the surface. And in meditation and our imagination, we can penetrate into all the levels of our mind. And it is using the power of visualization and meditation and prayer and you can visualize yourself and visualize yourself taking a sword and walking through the labyrinth and walking deeper and deeper and deeper and and visualize those signs that popped up above the surface that gave away those egos down below and observe how they work so for example when i observed myself getting angry because someone didn't put something back in its proper place in the kitchen i knew that that was uh, me being a control freak that was fear manifesting as the desire to control the desire to have com absolute control over my dominion my world my empire it's just a kitchen but you say just a kitchen it's just a kitchen and of course you want things to be where you need them to be. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's no big deal. Really? A control freak is a control freak. Control freak in the kitchen is going to be a control freak in the president's, in the White House, or in the prime minister's office. And believe me, we have a control freak in the prime minister's office here in Canada. And he's terribly, terribly possessed by fear. Um, 
but let's not get into politics. But this is the process. And then we have these ongoing repetitive conditions that we face and they are um, revealing themselves to us on an ongoing basis according to the law of the pendulum. And we just have to uh, maintain that attitude that we've expressed here tonight where to be in it but not of it, to not identify with these surface level uh, conditions and, and uh, symptoms, um, and recognize that what we want to do is keep observing and watching for the signs on the surface that are going to give away the causes beneath the surface, and then dive beneath that surface in meditation and analyze the way in which those particular egos responsible for those symptoms are bringing about our suffering and the suffering of others. And then we can, we can expand that and say, because, because an ego that's causing depression is, it's, it's not only going to be causing depression. It's going to be coming to the surface and acting out in other ways. And again, on this law of the pendulum stuff. So it's going to, sometimes behave this way and sometimes behave this way and sometimes behave this way so all the time and then finally what is this trying to teach us what's it trying to teach me what's this all about everything has a reason every wrestling match has a purpose if the purpose is to win the purpose is to become stronger to become a better wrestler and um so what is this opponent what 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 am I here to learn from it? And and it's a game. So can I somehow uh, treat it all as as um, being fun, like like being exhilarating, being a challenge, like Lieutenant Dan on the uh, crow's nest uh, crow's nest of uh, of uh, Jenny. That's the uh, well the boat, Jenny. Anyway. Um, we're not going to go three hours tonight. Uh, I think we've covered a fair amount here. Um, if there's, uh, we're going to read a couple of chats here. It is possible to withdraw from the draw of the moon to a great deal by serving the innermost. It is possible to withdraw from the draw of the moon. To a great deal by serving the inner yes yes it is and someone asks did you know or have a link that legit from beethoven from um you know what there's lots of beethoven on youtube um and youtube music uh lots of the there's there's actually uh you know what Let, let's uh Say, say, where's where's the keyboard? The keyboard's vanished. Um, 
let's see. Da, 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 da. This is the fourth movement. Um, this is on YouTube. What happened to uh, StreamYards? Oh, there we go. Hopefully we didn't vanish there for a second. This is, um, let me just grab you the link here. All right. This is just the fourth movement. This is what we feel is the objectively the greatest piece of music ever written is the, uh, the fourth movement of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And that it's objectively the greatest piece of music ever written. Uh, not subjectively, objectively. Uh, Beethoven is a master of music for this planet. And uh, the Ode to Joy, uh, which is part of this movement, is, uh, is unequaled. If you put yourself in a meditative state, and um, this is the first piece of music we ever played in public uh, as a child uh, when we were still uh, musical. We don't play musical instrument anymore. We, we had to give up. Um, our, our musical studies. But um, um, this is an incredible performance of the fourth movement, and the entire Ninth Symphony is also available online. So our, uh, our recommendation, Roy, is just go onto YouTube and just do a search. There's also a, uh, a radio station that we listen to on a regular basis and it's here in canada and it is called now wouldn't you know it it doesn't show up on our feed the one time that we needed to but it's called um classical 93 fm and here's the um So these are all the uh, past live streams, and there's usually they usually show a uh, the live stream. And so here you don't get to choose what you listen to. They'll but there's lots of uh, selection, and you know you can just put this on. It's just it's essentially listening to the radio. Um, but this is this is a radio station here in uh, Canada, and you will have here it is. Here's the live feed. Um, so this is live right now in Canada and, um, you can put this on and, you know, you, you get what you get, right? And we, um, oh, that didn't work on Facebook, but anyway, uh, we're having difficulties sharing the link on Facebook. So... Let's try this again. Facebook is funny with outside links, you know. Uh, sometimes they like them, sometimes they don't. Uh, lately, they've been very adamant about um, deleting our comments with outside links. They uh, claim that those comments are spam. And, um, well, there you have it. Um, 
Let's go. Let's see if there's other comments here. If does if anybody else has any other questions or comments, if you found this helpful or useful, um, by all means share it with others. We uh, want to thank you for joining us tonight. We're gonna just keep it at two hours tonight. Um, We try to make it. Uh, we try to make it a valuable uh, approach, because again, we all suffer from these ongoing, repetitive things. But they don't have to be uh, a source of suffering. They they don't. We don't have to make them worse than what they are by giving into these uh, conditioned beliefs about them. It's a wrestling match, and if you can relish and find exhilaration be in it but not of it put yourself in the lighthouse watch it observe yourself but don't identify and and dance and do this dance with the with this whole thing and recognize that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and as you're navigating life and learning to and and here's another thing that the last thing that we'll say is accept acceptance right it is what it is don't fight it don't fight it in the moment right don't fight the depression don't fight the anxiety you can't there's no point it's just you're just going to drain yourself of even more uh energy don't avoid it right if you're in such dire straits where you can't get your mind off of it and you're really going downward spiral then yeah Okay, fine. Go out, take a walk. Go out, do some housework. Go to the gym. Exercise. Play a, play a game. Play a video game. Call someone up. Watch a movie. Listen to some Beethoven. Listen to some Mozart. Listen to whatever makes you happy. Get in. Get you know, and do what do what you need to do. If you find yourself slipping and falling down into the down into that boat, into the maelstrom, into the the, the tidal wave. Right, you you can, and follow your heart. Listen to your heart. Listen to your innermost. Listen to the guidance of your of your divine mother. We are, none of us are saddled with more than what we are capable to handle. So, if you're if you're, it's like in, uh, um, Colonel Slade said in. Uh, 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 Al Pacino's character in Scent of a Woman. If you get tangoed up, you just tango on, right? You just, you, you got to shift and slip and slide and get out of that hold, get out of that half Nelson, and then get right back into that wrestling match. And eventually you get to a place where these demons, you've, you've got them. You've, you've got the upper hand. You're dominating the ring. And every now and then they might put a hold on you. They might, you know, they might get in something from the, but you know what? You're going to be, you're the Hulk Hogan of your WrestleMania. And eventually you'll get a hold of these things, but you got to learn to, to wrestle. You can't avoid, you can't run away and you can't, you can't allow yourself to, to fall into it and, and, and fall into despair and all that stuff. It is what it is. And I am that I am. And you are 
you are all what who you are we are all we are all essences sparks seeds of god and remember that remember that you are the lighthouse keeper and the lighthouse keeper isn't anything without the light remember that the lighthouse keeper keeps and points the light so don't identify with the vessel the vessel is going to go with it's going to go through it has to go through that that's what gives the lighthouse keeper something to do right that's the relationship because the lighthouse keeper is what keeps the vessel from crashing on the rocks in the middle of the storm remember that remember who you are remember yourself all right thank you everyone so much for being here tonight and for uh, letting us share with you uh, that which uh, we have to share so uh, take care and uh, we will see all of you again soon we hope take care and have a wonderful weekend good night